Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to say a very good morning to Penny Woodward. Morning, Penny. Morning, Pam. Morning, listeners. It's lovely to be here. And um, I feel a bit disoriented because I just got back from Tassie last night at 9 o'clock and drove oh. all the way home and then drove all the way back up again. Oh. I'm not quite sure where I am. <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, so, yeah, it's, lo- it's good to be here. It's nice to see the rain. Um, it's interesting that Tassie's really missing out on rain at the moment. Is it now? Um, and um, and we're, we're, um, we're, I've been down there for the tomato sale, so that was amazing. I just can't believe how many people turn out to buy tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, but they're such beautiful plants. Margot grows these amazing plants, and um, I, I think I'd, they had thousands, so in the tens of thousands of tomato plants, and they had... Thousands of people turning up to buy the tomatoes. Wow. And the queues on the Thursday and on the Saturday went right down the path. And, wow. You know, it, was, um, it was just extraordinary. So, and for, but for the first time this year, I did a talk as well. And it was quite funny because um, as part of the, I did the talk on the Thursday night after the Thursday night sale. And they offered um, locally made gin and a free plant for everyone who came and paid and um, about 40 people turned up, but the Mercury got the story wrong. So the next day in the paper, they published that everyone who came to the Saturday tomato sale would get free gin oh, and, no. <laughs> and, and a free tomato. <laughs> so they had an emergency bottle just in case someone got upset, but as it turned out, I don't think anyone read it. So, um, <laughs> so that was fine. I don't know what that says about the Mercury. <laughs> well, but I don't know. <laughs> But oh, they, they got a bit worried for a while. But yeah, yes. I bet. But it was, it's just such a thing now in, in Tassie. And, um, mm. yeah, it was great. And I also had a – I might tell you the story of this a, a bit later in the program, but um, Angus Stewart was down there and um, he's setting up an edible precinct in the middle of Hobart. Oh, wow. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about that a bit sure, later. So sure. that was really interesting yeah, too yeah. and unexpected because yeah. I hadn't realised that I'd run into him and – get to talk to him and go and have a look at it. So great. that was great. Right. Tell me how long uh, they've been doing the tomato seedlings now for. Ten years. Wow. Yeah. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. You mm. know, it's, it's extraordinary. And as I've talked about on here before, we had these incredible um, orange tomatoes with the cis-lycopene in them that um, we got seed from, or they got seed from, from um, New Zealand. And Margot managed to grow them and get them ready in time for the sale. So that's the first time these 30 heirloom orange tomatoes have ever been grown or seen in Australia because um, it's it's so hard to import tomato seed these days. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. 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 So that was really interesting. And I've, I'm, I've got about 10 of them, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept thinking, oh, I could just squeeze one more in. <laughs> and, um, and so that's I'll be planting those next week. So yep. that'll be good. Fantastic. See how they go. Yep, yep. We all have so have to say a very good morning to Clive Larkman from Larkman Nurseries. Morning, Clive. Good morning. How are you this lovely day? It's oh, yeah, it is. Yes. I'm, um, I'm a little bit unlike Penny. I've had enough rain at our place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it seems 
East, south, sort of east, southeast of Victoria is getting plenty of rain. It's, yes. it's the rest of the country we need to push it up to. Exactly, you know, exactly, yes. You know. We need to blow harder and blow it up north. Yes. But, um, wet, wet, wet. Um, a friend of mine was putting some fence poles. He's a fencer, and he went down right. about oh, 30 centimetres and hit water. He said, I haven't seen Good that. heavens. I haven't seen, not water like in no, no, spring, no, but, but wet, very, very wet soil. He said, I haven't seen that for 20 years. Yes, you know, amazing. The subsoil moisture is very good, yeah. which means our trees will grow well. Absolutely. It? But it does bode well, Clive, for if we do now get a hot summer, we've had that rain to establish everything. So it's yeah, wonderful. The, and the beauty is if you do get a fire season, the trees can pull water up out of the ground, whereas mm. in 2009 the subsoil was dry, so the trees just didn't have any moisture to... Resist the fire. So That's right. It is good for Easter Victoria. Oh, absolutely. Yep, yeah, wonderful. And, of course, you're in here today because there's a massive weekend coming up next weekend. A huge weekend. It's our second annual spring plant fair, the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and Garden Expo, and we've been rounding up exhibitors from all over the place, and we've got a few that never normally do it. Um, oh, great. Because um, they're wholesale nurseries, and we're trying to get the, those people that don't go to garden fairs to come along. Right. With unusual, really unusual plants or topics or things they do mm-hmm. and there are a lot of unusual people out there with passion about their plants and it's um it's amazing how passionate people can get and the knowledge they have yes i'm a, a botanist and a plant collector so i tend a bit more like steve have masses of plants from all different groups and know a bit about each of them whereas some of these people just know the nth degree about their particular group like the tomato folk in tassie yeah. we bought a lot of tomato seed for our range this year all the blue tomatoes okay and they're just amazing. And there's another little one we got from them, which is not actually a tomato, it's a tomatillo. Oh, right. But it's a, ba- a dwarf one called the pineapple ground cherry. And we're going to be releasing it as a tomato lolly because it looks like a little tiny yellow tomato wrapped yes, up it in its does. own paper. <laughs> the kids can take it to school and unwrap it like a lolly instead, oh, great of, idea. instead of a minty or a, yep. a lolly. But You've yeah. got to stop confusing people by using the names for one species for I, another species. I you agree really 100%. You really should not be calling it a tomato because it is not a tomato oh, and no, it's used it's, differently it's a cherry, to a tomato. It's not, a, it's not a cherry either. No, but it's a tomatillo. <laughs> I you know. should be calling it tomatillo cherry or, you know, yeah. don't call it a tomato I, cherry. I tend it's to agree with you, but when I was a, first got into the industry as a botanist, it used to drive me mad. And when we had a propagation nursery, money doing trees and shrubs, I could argue with the industry. And I could say, no, we're going to call it this. You get into the edibles, and it just gets so hard. And then you get the seed companies that take a plant that they've been growing as seed Fred for 20 years, and they decide they're going to call it Seed Jack just because. And one year we spent, I don't put a plant on our list until I've researched the history of the plant, and I yes. know where it comes from, I know the botanical name, and I couldn't find this plant anywhere. And I rang the, the importer of the seed. Oh, yeah, no, no, that was that plant. We just changed the name because we felt like it. <sighs> And I said, you've wasted hours of my time trying to take down a plant name. And I do understand, I agree with you, you know, I did three months of plant nomenclature. It's, I'm anal about botanic names. But it gets hard when you get into the common names. It's, some of them are just, they are just straight confusing. Coriander. There's coriander. There's um, perennial coriander or Mexican coriander. There's Bolivian coriander. And there's Vietnamese coriander three of which have no relation to coriander at all. Mm, yes. So why, that, I don't understand why we continue to make it worse. Because sometimes <laughs> it helps people no, it put, put the plant in a place. Yeah. And if you're a, a person that lives at home and eats food, if it looks t- tomato and tastes like a tomato to them, it is a tomato. But it's not eaten the same way as a tomato does. You, you know, mm. you, don't, you don't eat them fresh off the plant usually. You cook them. The t- or tomatoes. you turn them into salsas. The tomatillos. No, these ones you eat fresh. You just simply pop it up and it's, it's 
been selected as a fresh, like like a lolly, you just eat it. Not you don't cook it, you don't make it in a salad, you just simply eat it as okay. it is, and it, it, it's like a little yellow burst of sweetness, pineapple okay. flavoured sweetness. So this a, this one came from Tasmanian Natural Garlic. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's yes. fine. I understand tomatillos are very different. They're yes. just like. You know, one I'm going to talk about later, the tree tomato. that yeah. has no relation to tomato at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> but we call it tree tomato. So when yeah. you tr- And when we, we actually grow a tree tomato, mm. and I'm going to say, no, this is a tree tomato, this is a tree tomato. <laughs> 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 and in yes. our, it causes, you know, like people, order, I want a white gum. No, snow gum. Well, do you want the t- Northern Territory snow gum? Do you want the Alpine snow gum? Do you want the Victorian snow gum? Yes, yeah. that's that's to me that's a bit more understandable yeah. because those are names that were given regionally to yeah. those plants, yeah. um, all because they had white trunks yeah. and, and they were growing in the ground when that happened. You weren't inv- inventing sort no. of a new species that. And also, anyway. also, I suppose back then you didn't really assume you're going to be transporting plants no. from Northern well, Territory, Territory to Melbourne. Or <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, getting back to the tomatillos though. Mm-hmm. Um, Really interesting plant, which most Australians don't know anything about. No, you, you get bump into someone who does know all about them because they've grown them and they like them. Mm. But if, if you went to someone on the street and said, hey, this is a tomatillo, and they go, oh, is that a tomato or is it a to- is it, what is it? You yes. Know, explain to them how you use them, how you cook with them. Yes. And I know the restaurants struggle to get the, for the, their green salsa verde. They struggle to get enough supply of the, the big tomatillo. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they're a very interesting plant. and. They also call them Cape Gooseberries, just to, That's just right, just really to confuse, confuse everybody. <laughs> um, it's, it is hard, and I just wish we could use Latin names a bit more. And people say, so oh, what's, remind me of the botanical name of, of Tomatillo? Pfizer, And this one is Prusiana, Prusiana, the little one we're talking about, the big one. I'm blank for a minute. Okay, so it is actually a different species. Different species, completely different species. And... It does help a lot. People say, well, I can't pronounce Latin. So you can say eucalyptus and you can say platypus. Yeah, they're two Latin words. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a problem saying those. I mean, some of them are a bit tricky, though, yeah, I have to say. Uh, I have to say uh, one of my favourites is the Ampelopsis bevy pedunculata maximusi elegans. That's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> You've been practising. You're I doing can, this with Stephen Ryan. Too. I've been growing that one for years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stephen's very, you know... Uh, one of his favourites is the Ampelopsis. Yeah. It, it is actually easy to pronounce Latin. It's just there's no emphasis on his syllable. You just simply read it mm. as it's written. Mm. And um, it can be a bit scary because the words can be long. But you know, same as if you try and learn German if you're an English speaker. That's well, that's right. Yeah. Really yeah. long words. Yeah. In, in some ways, I was very lucky because um, I was forced to learn Latin at high school. So right. it does, even though it had no bearing at the time on anything I ever thought I'd be doing in life, mm. I'm grateful to at least understand a bit of the pronunciation of, of Latin words. It also gives you some ability to look at other words and other languages. Absolutely. You're probably maybe two years older than I am because Latin finished when I started, but I did French and Indonesian right the way through yes. to year 12. Whereas I always bemoaned that I, I couldn't do French because it's, it's a living language and mm. Latin isn't. No. And, and all we ever studied was, was Julius Caesar and his wretched <laughs> wars, you know, which got me nowhere. But <laughs> well, a friend of mine went and studied ancient Greek mythology. I'm thinking, why? What's, why? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the uh, Plant Fair and Garden yes. Expo because, um, firstly, you are becoming absolutely professional at running 
um, fairs and events yeah. up at your property because it's ideally suited for it, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, we've got a long, flat driveway and a big grassed area. We've got five acres of land at the front for parking cars, which mm. until we ran our first Herb and Chili Festival, I never thought about car parking. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you know, 3,000 people... Is about four or five hundred cars, and that's a bit of space. Yeah, so it's perfect yeah. for that. Yeah. It really is. And, it's and easy And public to find. transport's a bit tricky. <laughs> oh, yeah. your place. It's, low, it's so about, about a one k walk from the bus stop. But okay. yeah, it's okay. bad. But it's just parking, and you got to remember when you have festivals and you have people from the city come to the country, a lot don't drive very well. So you've got to have bigger space for the parking as mm. they have to adjust in the hills and the grass. Yes. And we've got a big open area, so I've been able to put power boards everywhere and run water. So it's it's like a like a caravan park, you need all these things. And one of the first lessons I had with the Chili Festival was understanding power problems. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm only drawing five amps. Yeah, but you've got eight things drawing five amps. That's 40 amps. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is ideally suited. It's, um, it's big, it's green. It's, there's something about our property that just makes you feel good. Just mm. standing. Yeah, I'd agree with I that. Agree. I agree. Yeah. I can't work out what yeah. it is. And um, we had out, we got a guy that does ice cream, he does all our festivals, and he has special ice cream, which he squeezes the fruit into the ice cream as it comes through the, the, the churner. Okay. And it serves with fresh, it's just amazing ice cream, or he put wattle seed in it. And he only does selected festivals, because he doesn't do it for a living, he does it as a hobby. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't go to a festival that he doesn't like. And he said, there's something magical about this place. It, 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 it's an indigenous history, there's just something that makes you feel good sitting around there and we're not sure what it is but yeah excellent excellent we do three a year now that'll keep you busy it does along with running the business and everything else else you have to do (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's like so i changed there's a thing at the showgrounds about a month ago called global table and it was a it's part of a an international one there's one in milan in, in may it's the australian version okay and they highlight unusual food producers and food production and, and where we're going in the world and they had a little section with all these micro or ma- amazing new food producers and at our chili festival we're going to try and get five or six of them there in one marquee like there's a girl that does granola bars made with crickets okay. so it's a bit unusual and i met this amazing lady that does herbs from indigenous plants but not in a alternative way she's doing it in a mass marketing proper like i'm at kenzie's or mccormick's where you have the proper presented mm. jars and you're using mm. the spices mm. not because they're indigenous, but because they taste nice. Okay. And we've been meeting with her because she didn't have, she could do all that side, but she never even could grow the plants or propagate the plants, and she didn't know how to find growers. And so we're starting to set up a, a partnership where I'll find small farms. And she needs farms of 500 square metres or half an acre to just do small quantities. Mm. And I keep looking at this Mornington Peninsula, Yarra Valley, Dalesford, Werribee, Hunter Valley, Veros, all these areas just outside of cities where the land's becoming expensive, so you can't mm-hmm. broad farm it. Yes. It's zoned rural. Yes. And it often gets people who live in the city having it for weekenders. And they feel guilty because the land's not being used. But they don't know how to use it. And they can't run sheep or cows because, mm. you know, one cow per acre is oh, not going to yes. make any money. No. So we're going to try and go out there and find them and give them, you know, a half acre or a one acre little farmlet. Fantastic. And then use these products. Yeah. Look, she's got on her books an order for, I think it's 15 or 20 tonnes of Kunzia permifera berries. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's, that, that, it's just like, what? I said, when she sent me, I said, do you mean 200 kilos? She said, no, I mean 20 tonnes. Goodness me. And I know a friend of ours did some breeding on Quandongs in South Australia. Mm. So he went to Qantas, and they said, oh, we'll have uh, five pallets a week. <sighs> and he said, I can do you 10 kilos a year. <laughs> <laughs> and, so. and I think, Clive, the other thing, um, when you're looking at 
indigenous mm. um, food is that is that it's important if you can to include the First Nations people in the production of that. So that it, mm. you know, it's that extra element where where you where you need to be giving them a chance to be part of it if they want to be. Especially in the breeding and the selection, it, it's good. Yeah, um, but in the growing as well. Yeah, although we need to, we need to get it out there as a regular product. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand yeah. that, but yeah. I just think a, a, the thought in your mind always mm. has to be that this is this is um, their culture, First Nations mm. people's culture, and and so we need to be thinking about them when we're when we're mm. thinking about who's going to be producing it. Yeah, it's good. I did, and it's their information that we're using a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just great to get the food out there. Yes, um, yeah. And yeah. the other silly thing is. We have more water in Australia than any other, per capita than any other Western nation but Canada. But the dumb thing is we're farming European foods yeah. Yeah, in the driest part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. If we converted our diets to subtropical and tropical foods, grew them all up north, mm. we wouldn't have a water problem. Yeah. Mm. We wouldn't have an environmental issue because we'd be growing foods yeah. that grow naturally. Yeah, and if we were growing kangaroo grass for seed and making breads and things yeah. like that instead of wheat, mm. um, you know, it's, it would be the same. And for the situation. meat, industry, if we were farming yeah. kangaroos and emus, yeah. then if a if they escape, they don't do any damage to the environment, <laughs> and b you're not putting inputs mm. that aren't natural. It's, yeah, and we, we've got to get our heads around. We, we we all love the European diet, but let's try and get into things that grow better. Yeah, in the climatic yep. conditions we exactly. have. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm really surprised <clears throat> that there's already such a demand for some of our, our um, indigenous products. You know, so, I mean, there's huge demand out there. Like, must like, be for like, those quantities that are yeah. being asked for. But it's not just that; it's also for other niche market products. I chair the Victorian Agri Business Council, and there's a huge demand there for lavender oil and, and high-end beef and high-end chickens and high-end eggs and Things that are high-end by people that don't want just mass-produced product. Mm-hmm. And, and there's room out there for our farmers to make a good living growing small quantities of different product. Mm. And, and let, let the Brazilians and the Chinese and the Indians mass-produce the beef and the wheat and let us grow the really mm. interesting products that mm-hmm. have less inputs and higher returns. Uh, and then the farmers, farmers can make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly, I mean... Over the last ten years, I mean, mm. look at the rise in popularity of farmers markets. Yeah, you know, people love dealing with with the the, the one-on-one, yeah. no middleman. And know? it's also, I'll give you a little scary anecdote. We had someone at the Chili Festival, and there's a gentleman and his son and his son's partner, and she walked up to our stand and he said, "Oh, so that's how you make chilies? You make them on plants?" <laughs> and she was oh in her twenties. Oh, no, she was a little kid. And yeah. I mean, there's this huge, and we all talk about it, every, the disconnection yeah. between yes, yeah. the consumer and the producer. And I don't want the consumer to think, oh, poor farmers. I want them to think, ah, oh, there's a farming community out there mm. that is important to us as the, the emergency services and the hospitals and the road people because they provide our food. And yes. the more food we can grow easily and cheaply, mm. the better off we are. Mm. And, um, yes, there's a lot of room out there for developing this nation. Absolutely. Yep. Things like the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and our Chili Festival get people in touch mm. with the growers and the producers and talk to them mm. and teach them to grow some of them at home. It's even better too. That's great. Yep. We're going to talk a lot more about, yeah. uh, about the festival, but I must get to some yeah. community announcements. And again, I've got a whole lot to go through today because um, 
spring is always the busy time for lots and lots of events, so bear with me. Uh, first up, a reminder that um, the up at Cloud Hill, uh, the uh, <coughs> Ian Maher has commenced yesterday his uh, carving of the pieces that are going to be installed in the Cloud Hill Garden. Uh, and people are invited to come along and have a look. You can actually um, chat to him while he's carving away. Uh, and those, those pieces are going to be installed on the 27th. So if, you're, if you can't go up um, and watch Ian Maher at work during the week, um, the installation is going to be uh, next Sunday, the 27th, and everyone's invited to come along uh, to see the actual installation. Um, so uh, that's all happening up at Cloud Hill uh, currently. As I say, he commenced work on that one yesterday. Now, also on today, uh, the, there is an Ivanhoe Festa, um, <clears throat> and this is starting at 12 noon, running through till 4 o'clock. This is a community festa put on by the Ivanhoe Garden Club. It's held at the Belfield Community Garden, which is on the corner of Oriel Road and Banksia Street in Ivanhoe. Um, they're going to have lots of uh, plants there for sale, including Asian vegetable seedlings, um, local honey, handcrafted soaps and cards, knife sharpening, sausage sizzle and uh, pizza. There'll be lots of craft demonstrations, planting demonstrations in the community garden and, of course, a huge range of salvia plants uh, for sale because um, the salvia study group will be there. And uh, I believe the Salvia Study Group, Clive, is going to be up at your festival next weekend. Of course they will, because we love, all love Salvias. Yes. And, and um, <laughs> some passionate ladies that love that club. Oh, really. aren't they? And if you've ever been to Lindy's house in Vermont, it's just... So, I don't know how to get so many salvias on a suburban block with so many <laughs> Lindy, trees. Lindy Gunn does yeah. a fantastic yes. job with that. And yes. she's really pedantic about Latin names. Yes. And I'll get yep. an email, Clive. That letter, you've got the A and the A wrong round, or you've got that. No, I don't think it's that plant, and we'll have a good discussion. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> good oh. we, all so need, we all need people to keep an eye on it, don't we? Absolutely. So if you're after some salvias, uh, as I say, they'll be at Ivanhoe this afternoon or head up to the Yarra Valley uh, Plant Fair and Garden Expo next weekend. They'll be there all weekend, so that will be a great one. Now, also... Uh, Coming up uh, today is the big event uh, out at, um, uh, where am I, out at uh, Ripon Lee Estate. Uh, this is Botanica and uh, it's a free entry for today. Uh, there's going to be uh, lots and lots of things happening, as well as a huge plant sale of plants grown on, on the estate. There's going to be second-hand book sale focusing on the gardens. There'll be paper sculpture exhibition on plants, Ikebana exhibition in the mansion, a bonsai display, food and wine, lots of stalls, talks uh, in the ballroom daily, uh, including Clive Blazy. He's going to be there talking about um, seeds and there'll be tours of significant trees on the estate. So uh, that's all happening today. As I said, it is a free event, and Ripponlee Estate is at 192 Hotham Street in Elstonwick for that one. Uh, now, also uh, coming up, and again, this also ties in uh, with the Yarra Valley Plant Flare because um, our good friends at Country Farm Perennials are also going to have a stall um, at the festival next weekend. Uh, but as well as that, starting from back on the 12th of October, 
They've been holding open days at uh, David and Merrill's private um, nursery and garden. And that, those open days will be running right through until the 6th of November, 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. Uh, free entry for that one as well. And uh, they do just ask that you uh, BYO your own uh, plastic bags or boxes if you're going to be uh, purchasing plants there. They will have tea and coffee with refreshments. Um, you, can, uh, you are invited to have a picnic in their gardens if you'd like to uh, do that one, particularly if the weather's good. Uh, and their address is 96 Langs Road, L-A-I-N-G-S Road in Nayuk. If you'd like their phone number, 56284202. But as I say, they will have a stall next weekend up at the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and Garden Expo as well. So, again, another opportunity to catch up with, um, with Merrill and David. Now, also running in conjunction with uh, their garden opening uh, is uh, Gardevalia, which is a festival of gardens, and in all... There's going to be uh, over 20 gardens opening. Uh, these are all private gardens. Um, they're all in the uh, Warrigal, Druin uh, and country surrounds of West Gippsland. Now, some of them are opening this weekend and others are opening uh, the weekend of the 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th, which is the uh, Long Cup weekend one. So um, you do need to go to their website to just see which gardens are open on which of the two weekends and uh, get addresses and information on that. So just go to Gardevalia, that's spelled G-A-R-D-I-V-A-L-I-A, all one word, Gardevalia, Festival of Gardens. This is an annual event. Um, I don't know how they manage to convince so many private gardens to open, but they they manage this every year. So um, a, a wonderful opportunity. If you can't get there today then do bear in mind it's uh, somewhere really interesting to go over the Long Cup weekend. Now, next weekend, um, the Cranbourne Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens have got their spring plant sale. Uh, That'll be happening both Saturday and Sunday, 26th, 27th of October, 10 through to 4 on both days. The location, of course, is at the Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne, which is on the corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. They'll have a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots for sale, priced from $3 upwards. Also next weekend, uh, our good friends up at uh, Fernie Creek Horticultural Society have got their spring uh, show on. Uh, This, again, is happening uh, next Saturday and Sunday. Uh, noon till 4 o'clock on the Saturday, 10 till 4 on the Sunday. Entry is $5, under-14s are free, and uh, the show will be held in the hall within the gardens. Um, Parking for the event is uh, in the grounds. Uh, There should be a good display of spring flowers such as rhododendrons, azaleas, iris, roses, and lots more. Uh, And the address is 100 Hilton Road, East Sassafras. Uh, Food will be available throughout the duration of the show, plus a sausage sizzle. There'll be garden walks and the two plant stalls will be well stocked with goodies. And uh, once again, uh, you are invited to have a picnic to have in the wonderful gardens up there. So that's uh, another one happening for next weekend. (coughs) 
Uh, now, I've also been reminded that uh, Preston Garden Club um, have got uh, their annual spring show uh, next, uh, next uh, Saturday. The venue is Preston Town Hall, which is on the corner of Gower and High Streets in Preston. Uh, free entry for this one. There will be displays of cut flowers, roses, pot plants, floral art, vegetables, cooking and children's entries, Devonshire teas and plant stall available. If you'd like more information, their phone number is 94781269. That's 94781269. Now, uh, another one, well, another two that I really must get to, uh, and that is our good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have got two gardens opening next weekend. Um, the first one is uh, up in the Yarra Valley, and this is a garden called Wing Spread. It's an expansive country garden set against the dramatic backdrop of the Telangi State Forest. Uh, it's located on two hectares of the forest. Um, the owners purchased it 10 years ago, uh, and uh, it's, uh, uh, it, it unfolds around the main house, which was an original cottage, which is now used... Um, for guests, uh, but then it's also uh, now had a new garden established around the new house. Uh, so the original garden dates back 60 years with a row of towering uh, rhododendrons and camellias. There are 40 beautiful coral bark Japanese maples line the curving driveway. Uh, there's also mountain ash trees, two stunning old Japanese maples, a 30 centimetre deep moat-like pond filled with water lilies and lotuses surrounding the front door and it's become a natural habitat for frogs. The stonework is a key feature both inside and outside the home and uh, as well there's a uh, kitchen garden complete with veggie patch, flowers for picking, an orchard and berries all flourishing in the high altitude and rich volcanic soil. Now uh, there will also be a display of cars from the Mercedes-Benz Club. There'll be wine tastings and sales there. Uh, there'll be treats by Oscar the Vintage Coffee Van. And uh, on Sunday there'll be a satellite event of the Yarra Valley Opera Festival. Now all proceeds from the opening will support the Leukaemia Foundation and the Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia. Now, the address for Wing Spread is 1380 Myers Creek Road in Tulangi. Uh, as I said, open both Saturday and Sunday, 26th, 27th of October, 10 through to 4.30 both days. Entry is $10. Children under 18 are free. Now, the other garden that they're opening that same weekend, which is next weekend, is uh, Ambleside, and this is a two-acre garden that's a sanctuary for wildlife, uh, which is down at Inverloch. Uh, and the address of this one is uh, 90 Bambrook Road in Inverloch, uh, 10 till 4.30, again, both days next weekend. Entry is $8 for this one, children under 18 free, and there will be a sausage sizzle on site there as well. They have uh, a lot of climbers creating a flowery canopy and atmosphere with a wisteria-covered pergola, uh, Madagascar jasmine and trumpet vines scrambling over tree stumps. Um, 
and the owners have uh, used the pruning tendrils from the wisteria to repurpose into lovely woven nest-like adornments around pots and plants. There's a very big productive garden area as well. And uh, as I mentioned, there will be a sausage sizzle. So that one, as I said, is 90 Bambrook Road in Inverloch. Now, as usual, our good friends have given us one free double pass to each of those gardens. Um, if you'd like to uh, get a double pass entry, free entry to either Wing Spread in the Yarra Valley in Tulangi State Forest or to Ambleside, which is the two-acre um, sanctuary for wildlife garden uh, down in Inverloch, uh, do give us a call now. The first two people to phone in will get uh, one each of those double passes. The number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Clive. <laughs> There's a lot going on. It's spring. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> can, can I just interrupt for a sec? Because sure. I've got three talks that I'm doing in the next couple of weeks. Can okay. I just mention yep, those? Yep. They're all on tomatoes. Okay. Um, one of them's up in up in your neck of the wood, so in the Yarra Ranges at the Montrose Town Centre, which is 935 Mount Dandenong Tourist Road, Montrose, and that's on the 23rd, so when, this coming Wednesday at 7pm. Um, and the second one is... Um, in Knox, room for Knox Civic Centre, 511 Burwood Highway, Wonturner South, and um, that's at 10 o'clock. So if you want more information about either of those, you can ring Barbara Jordan, who's the City Programs Project Officer, on 92988249. Um, so both of those are called Knowing and Growing Tomato, heirloom tomatoes. Um, so we'll, I'll be talking about you know all the different heirlooms that are available and all the different colours and some of the phytochemicals that are involved with tomatoes and and then talking about how to grow them and some of the pests and diseases. And then I'm also doing a talk for diggers on the second of November um, from 10 to 11 up at Cloud Hill. So that's a workshop on tomatoes. Right. So um, those are the the three that are it's that definitely are coming up. tomato time. It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Clive, let's get back to the festival. Yes. Firstly, um, tell us a little bit more about some of the exhibitors who are going to be there. Oh, there's so many. Sometimes it's hard to get the old head working on a Sunday morning. We've got, yeah, as you said, as you mentioned, your little brief a minute ago, country farm perennials. We have Sacklands Australia, which is the second grower from up at Mombolk, James Lucas. We've got our stand, Dyes Delightful Plants, doing lots of weird and unusual plants. We've got all our Renaissance herbs there. Conifer Gardens, David Daly's coming oh, out. He, right. he doesn't do many shows anymore. No, he doesn't. And he's got a great collection of his maples and his, and his conifers, which oh, would be fantastic. Oh, fantastic, yes. Philip Vaughan's coming down from Pomonal. He's uh, an amazing native, passionate native grower. And he has some of those beautiful grafted and um, propagated flowering natives that just are absolutely stunning. Mm. A young guy from down at Druin. All about plant, all about plants and landscaping. He's a perennial collector and landscaper down there. Okay. Um, great unusual bits and pieces, and bamboo creations. You know, the guys with their all their bamboo plants and their bamboo socks. He has to have his socks there. <laughs> um, or, um, can I can I just say bamboo socks are amazing socks. Um, they last. <coughs> they last a really long time, but they are, are really slow to dry. <laughs> dry. So you've got to make sure that you've got a really good way of drying them. I bought so. some for my wife because she, lo- she loves warm socks. Yep. And she cursed because it took days to dry. Right. She wears her favourite opossum socks. Have you ever had those out uh, in New yeah. Zealand? 
that's what this oh, jumper is. Yeah, you it's just, a possum jumper. You just don't get cold. Yeah. It's an amazing... But, but the bamboo socks are really good, um, particularly if you have sensitive skin, because a lot of people are sensitive to wool, so you can mm. get cotton socks, but bamboo socks are really good if you've got um, sensitive yeah. skin. I've got so, a better solution. Don't wear socks. Yeah, I know. But it gets cold <laughs> no, in it winter. Doesn't. It does. It does not. <laughs> this is Clive wandering around in sandals and shorts, and oh, it's yeah. really quite chilly outside. <laughs> So, yeah, with that, we've got Orchids of Distinction coming down from Ballarat, a right. new one for our show, and um, the African Violets from the Diamond Valley African Violet Group. So there's lots of different plants across a wide range of, of growing plants. Mm. And a couple of garden centres. We've got All Green coming up over from Werribee, and our local one, Mount Evelyn Garden Centre. We're up there with all their plants and their plant knowledge and advice. So then we've got a few other ones, like the Windsong guy that makes the beautiful hanging wind chimes. Wow. We're up in the hills, and he's got some really nice stuff. And we've got a furniture guy coming down from Sundry. He does, somebody does big block, like sleeper furniture. Oh, yes. With, with um, uh, the old-fashioned piping as the legs. Really oh, right. inter- interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, got a beekeeper, a bee, Bob, Bob's Beekeeping Supplies from up on Steeles Creek. They'll be there with all their bee supplies and bee advice and talking about how we can encourage bees into the garden. Mm. Coffee. We've got our friend who does the chili festival, the smoke pit. He has a, a five-metre smoker that he wow. brings in. And he camps overnight and he smokes all his food meat overnight and then serves it during the day. Fantastic. So that'll be really good. Yes. Then we've got um, Jane Edmondson will be there the whole weekend and she'll be doing a talk on plants you've seen around the world in gardens. And she's going to walk around talking to all the storeholders and meeting with everybody to answer questions and just chatting in a relaxed way. Great. Philip Johnson, our award-winning designer, is coming out both days to do, give a talk and demo, uh, show on his gardens he's designed. Plus, we've got all the regulars talking about their special plants yep. and different parts of the garden. And we'll, ha- we'll have a great collection of tomatoes. We bought some seed from Tasmanian guys just for the fair. You know, like little tiny packets. We've got 50 or 60 of each of their... Some really good names. And it's a beautiful blue and blue cherry, which has a, like a blue colouring with a little yellow cross as it matures. And so we've got lots of weird and unusual tomatoes there. Okay, so the tomatoes that Clive's talking about that he calls blue, I call black. So they're yeah. called blue, indigo and black. Yep. Um, and they're the true um, black tomatoes. So mm. black Russian and black crim and those tomatoes are actually brown and purple tomatoes. These Agreed. are the true black tomatoes yeah. that um, they only develop the black on the fruit where the sun hits them. Just, just like melatonin in their skin. Yeah, it's okay. The yeah. same sort of thing. And... <coughs> And it, they're full of anthocyanin. Yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. So that's why they're exciting is but, because they are like yeah. blueberries. They have the anthocyanin in, in them, so really good for your health. Yeah. But you've got to eat the skin because it's only in the skin and just below the who surface. Who doesn't eat tomato skin? Well, people how, how do you not them, eat it? No, but you cook them and you take the skin off. If you've got big oh. ones, when you're making passata and stuff oh. like that, you don't want the skin in oh, your you passata. Just, oh, oh, yes, um, you do. You, do. Well, <laughs> you just blend it in. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, sauces, <laughs> sauces you don't usually leave your skin in. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but, um, but what's fascinating about the blue, the blue gene, tomatoes have the genus name Lycopersicum, yep. which is a, a non-correct botanical name and they really should be called solanum, when they start looking at that, you can then cross them with other solanums to get the colour, and that's how they got the colouring in the 60s, and it changed the way tomatoes have grown those colours, and it's a fantastic dye, and it's a fantastic colour and idea, and the more of those really good little chemicals you can into our body, the better. Yeah. 
they're, they're, they're called phytochemicals. Oh, yeah, I'm, I can't, my mind's I'm losing yeah, losing words. That's all right. <laughs> we all do that. Yeah, I know, I've been talking about them a lot lately, so it's that's sticking <laughs> in my brain for the moment. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. suppose, yeah. As I said, my problem. I'll be talking about tomatoes, and tomorrow about clivias, and then about yeah. lavender, yes, and then and about kunzias, and it's, sometimes I just go, "What?" Yes, uh, head gets yeah. a bit full. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So, so it's got lots of interesting stuff, and we'll have our full hop collection. We'll be collecting hops from all around the country. Yeah, you've got some great hops. Yeah. And there's some really interesting hops yeah. around at the moment, and some interesting stuff happening in the hops world, yeah. aren't there? Yeah, oh, there is. Um, two things: we spent about five years collecting hops, and yep. it was very hard to get, and they were very they were seventy-five to a hundred dollars a plant. Right. Because they had been grown by specialist hop collectors yep. who didn't understand plants and they only propagated by, by dividing the rhizomes, so they didn't have large numbers. So I started collecting them and we put in our normal propagation system. We built them up very quickly. And so the price has now dropped down to around 20 to $25 a hops plant. And mm-hmm. we've got about 27 cultivars. Mm. We haven't had them all um, tested chemically yet to make sure they are the right cultivars. And we're about to do some importing with the guy who owns Grand Ridge Brewery. But to import in one hops Grand, plant, Grand Ridge Brewery down in um, Drum. Okay. Yeah. Yep. One of the very first of the boutique yep. brewers. And he's got re- received more beer awards than almost any other brewer in the world because yep. he's been doing it for so long. But it's $2,000 per plant to import to them. Import them. Yep. Gosh. Did you know there's a guy in Tassie breeding them as well? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. All right. Might need yeah. to give you a contact. Yes. Yeah. Except no. it might be cheaper from Tassie. Oh, no, except that the, yeah, the, the, the brewer, he wants that one, one because it's yeah. been that, that beer. But all, these beers all have particular hops to make them their flavours. Yeah. But when we did our, my wife and I took a holiday in 2016, like a real holiday, and we did one of those boat cruises in mm. Germany. And one of the options to go to the BMW factory or to go to the hops farm. I want to go to the BMW factory, but I was told very sternly that we're growing hops, we go to the hops farm. Okay. And in fact, this most passionate lady, she's the hops ambassador, and we learn all about different hops. Mm. But what was interesting was they're now breeding hops in Germany as a, a, a natural, natu- naturopathic or homeopathic yep. um, medicine yep. for osteoporosis. Okay. And they have hop tea and hop cordial, which has nothing mm, to do with, with beer. Yeah. But, but I think what we need to tell the listeners is that hops are not integral to the brewing of beer. They're integral to the flavouring of beer. Yeah. So so it is a natural flavouring. And hops have had a herbal use, as yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. for the centuries. Yeah, long, long um, time. Particularly to help, for helping with sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I'm not surprised that they're finding other uses yeah, for it. Exactly. The only thing, in Germany, you can't make a beer legally unless you've got hops, hops in, in it. it. Yeah. It's like you can't, you, you mm. couldn't call it ginger beer there because it's, yeah. it's got to have hops yes, to call okay. it beer. Yep. Okay. So there is a preservative and there's a bittering agent. Yes. Yeah. So, but it's also, so we'll have probably 20 varieties of that. We'll have our chilies just starting to come out of the early early mm. season chilies, and we've been growing some plants just for the festival oh, in both okay. our Renaissance group and our Mailer group. Um, we want people to experience something different and new, and all our growers have been encouraged to bring new plants, like Mari from the Bold Farm up in the hills with her peonies. Okay. She's a passionate peony person, and she's got all some really weird and unusual peonies. And there's peonies around now that will grow in... So these are the bush peonies that will grow in um, and produce in not-so-cold yeah, climates, yeah, aren't there? So in, the, in Melbourne and Victoria, yeah, they'll grow and produce. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I gave up... After I moved from Ballarat, I didn't mm. grow peonies again because I couldn't get them yes. to do well near the coast. Well, but I'm going to, I'm, ve- obviously, ve- I'm going to try I've again. A very close friend of mine <laughs> who I didn't know, he did a post on Facebook saying showing her beautiful peony she bought last year, and it's in Croydon. 
Yes. And it's beautiful big yep. flowers. So mm. it's, it's getting, they're getting there. Mm. Yep. It's interesting we talk about that. I do a lot of work with lavender. It's a plant we've been growing for 5,000 plus years. Mm. There's never been any breeding or selection. There's been wild selection in Europe, in France, yep. but never any targeted selection. So which lavender are you talking about? Oh, sorry, the, 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 prop, the commercial. The lavendula com- and gustafolia. And lavendula intermedia and lavendula latifolia. Yeah. The, the, the yeah, but oil producing. But not, not the, the co- Spanish or the, um, no. or the Italian, because no, there's that's, been huge oh, breeding they're the fluffy, those. That's the yeah, fluffy yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know, but you've just got to be, <laughs> yeah, I know, be more particular when you're yeah, talking you're about right. lavender. No. no, yeah, so... And, and like we're trying to do some breeding programs going to try and mm. expand the range of where it will grow. Yep. And it's it's um funny how some plants get really heavily bred and heavily selected. Mm. Salvia is another one. Mm. This take take these really ornamental ones from PGA. This huge digging pool of different salvias from around the world have been very little interspecific crossing yeah. yep. to move colours and flavours and shapes mm. around. And it's it's interesting because you know as a botanist we did genetics and mm. and studied that and you think well there should be more breeding in these areas. Mm. They're over here. That's mm. um. Interesting. It's mm. good. Well, it's great that you're doing yeah. one of those things. Oh, it's so fun. Good to see. Yeah, well, oh. yeah. This, I love the passionate people in this world who, <laughs> who really care about Absolutely. what they're doing yeah. and go that extra mile to, um, to get something that they really want. Yeah. So well done. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. compared to me, these other people are extremely out there and passionate. Yes. And, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's, it's fun. It's oh, fun. of course. Now, of course, there's going to be lots of food and um, things yeah. to drink. Yeah, there'll be um, from Punt Road Wines and Napoleon Beer. Punt Road Wines, Napoleon Cider and Detour Beer. One company, they've got three different names. Okay. We'll be, we'll be selling their product. Um, Devonshire Scones and Jam. My friend Judy's coming down from Goulburn to make the jams and the scones. A sausage sizzle and sandwiches. So it'll be, it'll be great. It'll be mm. Come and spend a few hours. Fingers crossed for the weather. Yes. Um, Someone many years ago told me Melbourne works on a seven-day cycle. A cold mm. front comes the same day every week over spring. It's been coming on a Thursday, not a weekend. 29's predicted for Thursday. Yes, but the cool chart they're talking cool about change. change will come through on Friday. Thursday night, Saturday Friday Saturday will be perfect. Maybe a little, little shower, but it doesn't matter as long as... Because Melbourne is not one of the odd showers. They just don't want blistering cold Gardeners are used to showers, Clive. Yeah. They're not going to be put off by that. No, whereas the Chili Festival, they are. Yeah, well, right. But they're not gardeners. No, by actually, it's not even the weather. It's what the TV stations say about the weather. Yes. You know, yes. It's, it's the guy sitting in the studios in Melbourne saying, geez, it's cold out there. I wouldn't be going mm. outside yes. today. We're going to be brilliant and sunny out in the Yarra Valley. Mm. It's, it's, exactly. It's, it's not even what the weather it's what often they, it's Often it's the wind that's the that's issue the over, rather than the rain too. Yeah. Rain doesn't bother me. Mm. Just, I don't like wind. No. no Nobody well, does. I went, went to Tasmanian Natural Garlic and Tomatoes Festival the year before last mm. and all the marquees got blown away. So Ooh, that was yeah. a disaster. We did a Ladner Park last things. weekend and yeah. the same thing. One girl that does the um, uh, Gloriosa lilies. Yeah. She, for the first time ever she's trying to do plant sales. She went up to Lard, um, Bolobek, yeah. went down to Ladner Park. That night the whole marquee just got blown away and oh. it just this tangled up wreck of marquee. Oh, mm. dear. But I do question, I learned this at the Chili Festival, they turn up at our Chili Festival with a marquee mm. No weights, no pegs, no yeah. ropes. Yes, yeah. First breeze and they're all standing there holding their marquee and you think, what level of intelligence says to you to set up a marquee without something to hold it down? Yes. Mm. <laughs> so I now have to have about 125 litre drums of water ready 
to go. Mm, right. Yeah. Well, Fair so enough. You learn. Yes, very quickly. <laughs> now, Clive, yeah. listeners want to know the address, how to get there, um, oh, what the questions, entry fee questions. is. Yes, yes. You, I'm not letting you off the hook. <laughs> One, two, five, Quail, Q-U-A-Y-L-E Road, Wandon. And if you can't remember that, just walk on the highway, Wandon. There'll be signs up there. Good. And it's 10 till 4, both Saturday Sunday, 26th. On 27th, which is next weekend, buy tickets online and get a discount. They're $10 concession, $12 adult free for under 14s online, and it's $12 and $15 at the gate. Okay. If you have a garden club or any community organisation and you want to book 10 people, give me a call and we'll give you a discount across it on top of all that, just to look after yourself. Okay. It's plenty of free parking, um, disabled parking friendly, so you can get out right up close to the front gate. The food and drinks and everything there. Dog friendly, so we'll have puppy dogs on leases are well are welcome. Um, and well, website www.yarravalleyplantfair.com.au. Yes. Okay, and that's where they can book tickets yeah, through that. Yeah, they're yeah. linked through to try booking. Okay, and and if someone's wanting to bring up a, a group of ten, how do they contact you? They call me on zero four one four two four two seven one zero, and we'll talk out an arrangement for them. Fantastic. And, we'll, and if they come on a bus, we'll make sure someone's there to meet the bus and park it and look after them. Yep, brilliant, brilliant. Mm. And can I just suggest that you get there early? Cause there's oh, I'll, so be there, much I'll be there very no, early. No, not you. I'm talking to the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> That, that that people get there early because it's a it's a great day and yeah. it's it's worth getting and there and lots giving of yourself lots yeah. of lots of time to spend there yeah. yeah and learn and enjoy and meet mm. other passionate people yep yep yeah. great now it is high time we opened up our our talkback lines uh, if you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning particularly if you'd like to have a chat to Clive Larkman from Larkman's Nurseries uh, if you have any questions for him about uh, the uh, fair and expo next weekend. Do give us a call nine four one nine zero one double five. Now, also um, the uh, free double pass to the Telangi Garden has gone, but we do still have one free double pass to Ambleside, which, as I said, is down in Inverloch. If someone would like to grab that uh, free double pass, it will be posted out to you. You can also call us on that same number nine. Four one nine zero one double five. Okay, Penny, uh, you wanted to talk about uh, the next issue. Okay, so um, with with Organic Gardener coming out every six weeks now, they seem to roll around very quickly. Yes, and we're already working on the not the next one after this, but the one after. So oh, six gosh. weeks is not long. So, no, it's not long. So this is issue one hundred and twelve, um, and. It is, I think it's a terrific issue, but then I think they're all terrific. So I'm not, probably not a good... There's actually an article by me about my 16 years of writing for Organic Gardener. Okay. So, so that was fun. Um, Karen's written about succulents. So in the plant section, she's got a, several different succu- succulents that will do really well in, in hot weather without having too much trouble um they re republished an edited version of my very first article for the magazine called sent to repel so even 16 years ago i was writing about pest repellent plants and all that sort of thing so i've been doing it for a long time um and karen's got a great article about growing tomatoes in pots from hanging baskets to and a, a list of, of suggestions of some dwarf and, and bush tomatoes that work really well and I know I've been going on about golden tomatoes, but I've written about the golden orange tomatoes and the backstory to those and the cislycopene and with various links to if you want to find out more. Good, about because those. we have had we have had have a had few interest. listeners queries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So, um, so that's on there. And um, Justin, and this was also my suggestion, and I'm so pleased it's come out so well, has written about melons. Okay. So this is not watermelons, it's all the other melons. Yes. And it was only when I started researching it that I discovered how many varieties There's of heritage of heirloom melons we have already in it, Australia. So many. Like, there's a great one we used to call mouse melon. Yes. A yeah. beautiful little tiny melon. That's a, yeah. It's that's that's actually more slightly more of a cucumber than a true melon. I what's think. what's the difference between a uh, well, melon a squash, the, and a, are, a squash and a melon? Um, these are sweeter. So they're, they're, they're just, considered just to be to be dessert, but they are also mostly a different species. Oh, yeah. So these are cucumis mellow, yes, um, and then the others well, are cucumis something cucurbit. else, which I can't, yeah, which I can't. Cucurbit and there's moscata and there's yeah, a few different okay. ones, mm-hmm. but these are mellow. Um, mm. But we've got a list here of twenty. I actually came up with twenty five, I think, and Steve said you've got to get it down to twenty. So Justin wrote the article, but I I found all the different um, the different heirloom melons and, and things like um, Prescott Fond de Blanc and Queen Anne's Pocket mm. and Petit Gris de Rennes. Um, mm. A lot of them seem to be French varieties yeah, in the melon yeah, but range. Some of them also come from um, European countries, but Eastern European countries. Yes. So there's there's a real history of growing them in some of the slightly mm. colder places. So, okay. So and some of these are quite are quite t- cold tolerant. So mm. that's a that, that's a beautiful. So this morning just cantaloupe watermelon. Uh, oh yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, and this um, Amy Goldman has brought out a new book on melons. You oh. would have thought that her original book was the only book that you'd ever want to write about melons but there's a new one where she she gets really um uh, into these incredible melons so uh yeah there's that there's a review of that there's a bit on water there's a lovely one on on just growing flowers for picking mm-hmm. um and uh and uh, river cottage um paul west has has written some of his recipes as well um so and i've written about aloe vera so it's a huge amount of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So have a, have a look for it in your um, newsagent. Mm. I see Paul's brought out a book. Yes, this is an extract from his book. Okay. Is, is what he's written yes. about there. I've, you're going to ask me what the name of the book is, aren't you? <laughs> I have seen it and I've go, forgotten the it's name all right. now. I'll go back and find <laughs> it because this, this extract is... Um, I know he's in big demand at the moment as a speaker. Um, yes, The Edible Garden, it's called. That's it. Cookbook that's it. and Growing Guide. Yes. So, and it's published by Plum. And it's thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. So, yeah, but there's we've got some recipes from that in the. Yep. In the map. Excellent. So I have a look for it. It's got a picture of tomatoes on the front cover, and Karen was excited because it's the first time her article has been featured on the front cover with the main picture. Oh, great! So, so that's nice. Yes. Excellent. Okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until nine fifteen. If you'd like to jump on the phones and give us a call. Uh, to ask a gardening question or to make comment on anything we've been talking about, uh, we'd love to hear from you. 94190155. That's 94190155. Clive, you brought in a few plants. Let's have a chat about a couple of them. Okay. The, the first one is that the big clivia, which is sort of dominating the room at the moment. It's, it's stunningly what beautiful. Yeah. And it's on Facebook if you want to have a look at it. Yeah. Yes, great. It's one of the green collection. It's, it's Hero Green Selection. It's a Japanese breeder. And we all know clivia as having an orange or red flower. And that's got a, a dominant gene there, which gives it the orange straight red colour. To get the yellows and the whites and the creams, you've got to get the, that gene out or suppressed. Okay. And as I understand the genetics, there's two 
chromosome places where they can, that can happen. And they call them group one and group two. And when you cross group one with group one, you get a yellow. Right. When you cross group one with group two, you get a red. And when you cross group two with group two, you get whites and greens. Wow. And that's what this has come from. Right. And we also have a quarantine tunnel. We do commercial quarantining for plant collectors and plant breeders around the country. There's not many of us left. And we did a lot of work with Eddie Pang, who's a quite wealthy person who has a passion for clivias. Mm-hmm. And he has friends in China that will pay $200,000 for pollen. Oh, goodness yeah, me. You're talking <laughs> that, that top end of eccentricity. Yes. Okay. And we bought lots of seed in for him and sorry, lots of plants, and he'd grow a few. No, don't like that. You can have them. And then I went and spent, bought $3,000 worth of seed off him, and some of these are the greens coming, and we sowed them five years ago. Mm, wow. And we'll They're have about beautiful. 10 of these for sale at the mm. plant fair. Mm. Uh, it's just a stunning colour. It is. And we had it on show at Lardner Park, and people would walk across the hall. They'd see it, they'd walk across the hall. Mm. Some people didn't know it. Some right. people thought it was pretty, but anyone that knew Clevia's went, and they came. Yeah. It's that, that green colouring, and it sounds silly, green flowers. Mm. Why would you want a green flower? The plant's green, but it, it works. So it's a sort of creamy, it's a creamy green for the main part of the yeah. petals, and then it's more green. A with darker the, green the, stripe coming yeah. going through going the centre. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there's been pale yellow ones around for quite a while, yes, haven't there? So is that similar breeding? Um, no, that's that, from what I understand, that's the original yellow breeding. Right. This is from the second lot of yellow okay. breeding. I understand. I, I'm not a, I haven't, yeah, I don't go involved as. Yeah. But one interesting thing is that we do commercial quarantine for the Clivia group right. collectors. Mm. And. They said, the animal quarantine tunnel's tiny. It's not much bigger than this, this studio. Okay. And it's got no real climate control. Mm. So in summer, it gets really hot. And they said, you're not, Clive, we don't want you to water our clivies. And they'd go three months with one watering in right. a tiny plastic tunnel in the middle of summer. Goodness. And they survived? More than survived. Wow. So I learnt from that, I don't water my clivies anymore. Okay. I just don't water them. Mm. Yes. And... They flower better, they grow better, they're mm. darker green, they're happier. Mm-hmm. So yep. we overwater our clivias like we do a lot of plants. Okay. Yeah, well, mm. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> yeah. we overwater things. That, that was the great thing about you know, the drought. Yeah. In, the, the, mm. in, the, in the noughties, we, we stopped, we reduced the amount of water yeah. we put in well, on the We found out yes. what survived without yeah. water. Well, I, I grow lavender yeah. a lot, and I'll do a show. My lavender died. You've overwatered it. No, I haven't. You've overwatered it. No, I haven't. How, how often have you watered it? Uh, you've overwatered it. <laughs> you yeah. Don't yeah. water it. Um, and we were growing Thai Lotus Joey. Mm. And I was trying to tell someone in the garden show, don't water it. I said, what do you mean don't water it? It grows on the roadsides of Kalgoorlie. Mm. Don't water it. <laughs> you know, we kill things with water. We, mm. My darling wife has killed our mother, um, Sansevierias, and our Zamio, I can never remember the second part of that word. Because she's been watering them. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to overwater, particularly if they're in pots. Yeah. Um, I don't tend not to in the garden because they get neglected, yeah, but yeah, um, the yeah, pots. Uh, seriously, um, pick the plant if, if it doesn't feel light. Yeah, and that's particularly true of ornamental things. It's if you're producing fruit or mm. you want succulent leaves, then yes, you do need to water them mm. because otherwise they're going to be bitter. Yeah, but but for um, for for natives yeah. for for um, ornamental and, and even the fruit plants, you want to, to underwater them. Yeah. in the flowering period, it's yeah. You know, I was talking about the lavender. There's been very little work. I'm trying to get some work done on, on food, um, nutrient regimes over a 12-month period relating to flour and oil and flavours. Yeah. I, I don't think... We do a lot of work on yield, like you mm. put this much in it, yield, but mm. not much work on if you change, like put more phosphorus in in winter or more mm. potassium or more nitrogen or more calcium. How does that affect the yield and the flavour and the quality? 
and the, the phytochemicals content. and the yeah. oils and all that. Mm. And yeah. we've just done no work. Yes. Um, there's a lot of that happening now. It's amazing. Every week there's an article coming out about phytochemicals yeah. and nutrients in plants and how it's affected by soil and soil biota and a whole range yeah, of is. different things. But yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not in the real commercial world. We're still the mass fertiliser companies yeah. are still researching how to increase your yield. Yeah. You know, whack on through with phosphate. No. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no. no. You know, I speak to someone else. He says, I'm, I'm going to put the superphosphate. And I th- I'm not... I'm not going to say a thing, <laughs> but you don't need to. <laughs> so, yeah, and then we've got another plant. One of, my, one of my pleasures in life is researching weird seed collectors around the world mm-hmm. and so I can find people with weird seed. And I came across one in America with the giant black carrot. Okay. The carrot itself's not giant. It's about a normal-sized carrot. Right. And it's black all the way through. But the plant gets up to 60 to 70 centimetres tall. Okay. Right. And it's used as a cut flower. Ah. Because the carrot flowers are lovely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it also makes a fantastic edible flower. Okay. So this is yep. when you were just, we were just releasing this week and at the show, the black carrot okay. or black nebula. Okay. So are the leaves also edible? Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, we were over in Japan visiting our daughter-in-law's mum a few years ago and she was doing tempura, ca- um, fruit and vegetable, tempura vegetables and they tempured the carrot tops. Yeah. And when we do carrots, she makes a lovely carrot sesame seed salad. Okay. Carrot tops. So yeah. the only the only thing you've got to be a little bit careful of with carrots is if you're using the tops, don't use it for commercially grown because there's a lot of if they're using pesticides, and oh, sorry, fungicides yeah, yeah, yes, and things, yeah. they tend to accumulate yeah. in the in the leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't buy I wouldn't them. touch the leaves of bought carrots yeah. um, unless you know they've come from yeah. an organic property. Yes. Yeah. So, but homegrown carrots. That's um, fine. Yeah. And one interesting thing is we talk about farmers markets. Yeah, farmers markets actually sometimes I do worry because there's no control over what's used by some of the mm. farmers. Not all of them, there's a mm. lot of very good ones. Mm. But some of them are just home growers and they could be mm. using anything. Whereas at least yeah. at a green grocer markets, mm. they've got someone doing random testing. So yeah. grow it all yourself anyway. Oh, yes. by far the yeah. safest way. The yeah. best thing you can ever give a child is a pot of carrots because yeah. they cannot kill them. Okay. I mean, I've had carrots sitting in a pot like this. It's not yeah. a big pot for six or seven months and not watered them. Mm. And I've come out, the leaves are all brown. It's hanging down here. But water because they've got the tubers. They'll yeah. come back again yep. in a few weeks later. And if you want to encourage a child, give them something they can't kill because yeah. then they don't get yeah. disenchanted. And yes. You may not end up with perfect carrots down the bottom of them, but the plant grows. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you, do you, I was actually talking to that someone about this the other day. You know how we used to do carrot tops and put them on cotton wool yeah, and yeah, water yeah, and they yeah, broke? Yeah. yeah, and that was a real buzz as a child <laughs> yeah, to, to see that you could do that. So, yeah, I yeah, think we, carrots are great. We, 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 I tell the story often of the first time we put carrots in pots because mm. we were the first people to start doing purple carrots. We did them yeah. almost 10 years ago. Yes. We, Renaissance Group, we meet twice a year and there's a grower in each state. You know, South Australian growers, he's two, three generations veggies and um, mm. annuals and pots. Clive, you can't grow carrots in pots. Why, Mark? I'm a botanist. Why, Mark? Everybody knows you can't grow carrots in pots. Why, Mark? Clive, everybody knows. Why, Mark? Everybody knows you can't grow carrots in pots. <laughs> I said, I can understand you can't grow big carrots in small pots. Except that Fair one. Fair enough. And I used a few expletives. How does the seed know it's in a pot? I don't know. <laughs> Next year, Clive, you can grow carrots in pots. <laughs> now, our purple and rainbow carrots are one of our biggest sellers now. Yes. Because you can. It's just, I, I love these, yeah. these old, I call them old wives' tales. It's just things so, that, so if you transplant those, how yeah. do they do into the, in the, into the garden? Um, you transplant them carefully so you put them in a nice, rich soil and they'll grow fine. Yeah. They may not be 
the perfect, perfect carrot that you've maybe grown from seed. Yeah, yeah that's who, fine. Who cares? It's what it tastes yeah. like, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no, I agree. Looks yeah, like. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And then we just put a tamarillo in, just another great plant. Um, I, the tamarillo fruit's really nice. And my, my mother used to make a. Sorry. A chutney? A, a, yeah, like a relish to put yeah. on steak. Yeah, okay. And it's really nice. It'll just on a yeah. bit of fresh cooked steak. So, so tamarillos are also known as tree, tree tomatoes. tomatoes. So they're not actually tomatoes Tomato. at all because they're not solanum like no. capersican. No. They are um, totally different, um, and I've just... Oh, no, they, they are, sola- they are solanum, solanum, but they're not, not like a persicum. No, no, yes, no, no, yes. no. So they're different species. Yeah. They, they, one thing, they have horrible smelling leaves. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I agree with that. And the stem and the wood yeah. as well, because I was thinking about burning it, um, one of the um, oh, mine right. that died, because they, they live for about seven or eight yeah, years, yeah. and, and then, then they, they suddenly carc it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, the, and they're quite tall, yeah, so yeah, you like need to two to three meters. Two to three meters. But you can cut them. Yeah, really and then and they're frost tender. Yes, a frost tender, but not cold. No, uh, they'll grow in the cold, but yep. just a hard frost will knock them back. A bit. Yes, mm, yeah. Um, but they're beautiful fruit, and there's a gold one and a red one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you um? There's there are some strains of these that develop little pits just yeah. below the skin. Um, don't do know you them. do you have you don't. Yeah. We okay. dribble by seed, so okay. Um, and we generally we just buy the fruit and get yeah. our own seed. Yeah. Um, okay. It's one of those seeds that we have trouble germinating if we buy it from the seed companies. Yeah. Okay. So we tend to you try. You buy the fruit. Yeah. Okay. Same as we do our own pomegranate. We just yeah. buy our own pomegranate and dry the seed out. So when you cut them open, they look a little bit like, like tomatoes or, or a passion fruit, fruit. Yeah. sort of like a cross between tomatoes yeah. and passion yeah. fruit. So they're sort of orange with quite a lot of seed little in seed them. And they're very gelatin-like flesh. Yeah. 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 But they and they're they're savoury rather than sweet. Oh, definitely savoury. It's not sweet. Yeah. No, it's, so, it's a very savoury. So you relish. treat it, More even like though it looks like a fruit because it hangs from the tree. Like a fruit, um, you need to treat yeah. it more as I, a vegetable. I'm a botanist, and the fruit's a fruit. No. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> this is, we can have that conversation another yeah. time. And um, I actually also, I'm a cook. Yep. And I, I cross savoury and sweet. They don't. Yeah, I don't no, have I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I eat fruit and oats and stuff for yeah. lunch most days, and I put tamarillo in there at the same time yeah. as I'm putting pears and apples. Yeah. And and, but I also put fruit in a savoury dish. Yes. It, um, yep. It, Although my son, he can't stand the concept of fruit and meat. He just thinks yeah. that they just don't okay. go. But apricot chicken is fantastic. Oh, of course they go. <laughs> yeah. but, yes. but also things like <clears throat> um, the burbosk pear chopped up into a salad with, mm. with uh, parmesan cheese yeah. is amazing. Well, so, my mum used to put mango in all her salads. Oh, mango yeah. is yeah. fabulous yeah. in salads. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so to me, we've we got to... Stop putting our world in, in yeah, categories. Yeah, no, I just yeah. know yeah, that no, people yeah. say I don't like tamarillos because they're expecting them to be, be sweet. Yes, So correct. they just need to be warned it's a that, that it's yeah. a relish, it's a savoury yeah. flavour rather than a sweet flavour. And flavor. it's also a flavouring rather than a, a fruit or a vegetable that you just chop up and eat. Yeah, I chop up and eat, but yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I like savoury things. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have... Um, Another beautiful plant that we've been growing for a while. Now, I know Tradescanti is a, a dirty word in, in the green ones becoming invasive, but this is a gold one called Sweet Kate. And the f- foliage is uh, lime green to brilliant gold, depending on the sun levels, and has beautiful, bright purple flowers, as you can see there. The in flowers spring. are gorgeous. And it doesn't spread very much. It's, yeah. it's, it's a very slow grower and a tight grower. Mm. And it's a beautiful woodland plant. Mm. 
they like shady spots, yeah. and they, the flowers are like little jewels in the, oh, you know, in, in and the shady And they're such spots. a bright purple, yeah. too. Yeah. And with our modern world, we, we, our houses are getting smaller and mm. they're getting higher, which means we have far more a lot of w- woodland-type gardens, yeah, where yeah, you put exactly. your eucaries and your hostas and your hellebores and your things like this, which mm. are, and your clivias. Clivias, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, they're just standing on a, on a shady veranda, and there's big pots, mm. leave them alone. The pots can, and they don't, unlike things like a strelitzia, they'll crack a pot. The mm. clivia just fills it and stays there. Yeah. And just flowers and flowers and flowers yeah. and, yeah. and brilliant colours. And then one more, because it's chilies, and we've got to talk about chilies. Of course. <laughs> and this is just one of our favourites the old ghost chili, this is the chocolate form. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean it tastes like chocolate. No, <laughs> it's just the colour. <laughs> chocolate brown. But it could taste like chocolate. I wouldn't know because I don't eat them at that high no. <laughs> level. Um, so this is on the label. It's got this picture of the heat and yes. it is bright red. Yeah. <laughs> sort of sparks coming Warning. out of it. It is. It was one of the hottest chilies available until the Carolina Reaper and the other ones came out. Um, this time last year, we were in America and we went to visit the guy that bred Carolina Reaper. He's got a little shop mm. in... In South Carolina, uh, Fort Wills, and you walked into the shop and it was painful. Mm. Oh, the, the chili in the air. Okay. But he's bred one called Pipper X, and in the Scoville ratings, Carolina Reaper is 2 million units, Capsicum Spray is 5 million units, his is 3.6 million units. Oh. And he's not, he's, not, he's not releasing the seed of the plant because he thinks it's too dangerous. Okay. He just produces sauce out of it. Okay. Okay. Another thing we've got to understand, with these super hot chilies, they're not designed as a salad chili. No. no. You're not supposed no. to eat them. No. Yeah. You pick them, you make them into a paste, and you use the paste in your cooking. Mm. Sparingly. To, yeah. Or use, <laughs> because it's a paste, you then know how hot it is. True. And yep. you can put what you need for your food. Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, then they're just not designed as a, a, a cheat. Like we've got a great eating salad chili called Bulgarian carrot, and it's a bright orange like a carrot. Mm. And it is. It, it's hot, but it's crunchy and it's got texture mm. and flavour. Mm. Whereas this pastes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Silly people. Yes. Well, I'll come to our chili festival and watch them get on, on the stage and try to eat hotter oh. and hotter and hotter and hotter, and hotter mm. until last man standing. Yes. Yeah, not for me. No, 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 no. nor me. Yeah, my, <laughs> wife, my wife can't stand anything than chili. Okay. It's, um, yeah. yeah, so she's anyway. a sensible woman. <coughs> You're right. Oh, a little too much. It frustrates you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they're, they're just some of the plants that we're going to have at the plant fair and that we grow and promote. And again, it's just fun. This interesting is a chili. You might be able to see here that that got that brown stem at the bottom and the way it's growing. This is a one-year-old chili. It's come through winter. Mm. Okay. And to get them through winter, what happens is the top of the chili dies. Yeah. And as gardeners, what do we do? We cut off the dead bits. So what does the plant do? Dies again. So we cut them off, it dies again. We cut them off, it yeah, dies so again. So you leave the dead bits on. Yeah, and you leave the dead bits until it starts to shoot away on the stem. Mm. Then you cut the dead bits off and you'll get this beautiful plant. Once that bottom part of the stem starts to harden, then you've got a plant that will get to the next winter quite easily. Yeah, because in warm climates, a lot of chilies are perennial. Um, oh, more, it, even in cold climates. Yeah, but I, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah. is that we've got in cold climates, we've got used to the idea that they can't, they're not perennial. No, no. So, and we assume that they're all not perennial, but yeah, most right. of them actually are. And even the non-perennials, if you yeah. look after if them, if you nurture them a bit, you'll get yeah. them through winter. Mm. Yeah. But we've got a few new ones we put out. One called microcarpin, which is we, it's the wild Peruvian pepper. It's a fruit about the size of a pea, and I took, as I said, I don't eat chilies. So yep. I took them to my chilli people at the chilli festival and said, here, taste these chilies to tell me how hot they are, what flavour they've got. Yeah, first one, that's pretty mild, nothing there. Second one, that's mild, nothing there. I'll try one. That blew my head off. And the chilies seem to be at random heat. Okay. On okay. the one bush, the fruits have random heat levels. Right. 
which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's a perennial. And that's almost self-espalling. It grows on a very, almost a flat mm. plane. And we're now trying to collect chilli seed, like the tomato people were collecting mm. tomato seed from this region of South America, Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, mm. parts of Chile. There's a humongous level of genetics of edible mm. plants. And we call them the, the, the new world, yep. but they're not new world. It all goes back to the Vasco da Gama period. Mm. There's this thing, and I, can't, I can never remember the name of it. It's, it's when there's a huge interchange of plants from the new world and the old world. Mm. And the South Americans got a lot of product from, Australia, from Europe. Europe, yeah. And Europe and Asia got this huge influx of yep. product. Now, we all think paprika is a Hungarian plant. It's not. It's South American. Yeah. There's no native chili outside that part of South America and a little bit of southern central, mm. southern United States. Mm. But they've moved so quickly around the world that they've just become... That they got adopted by various countries. Yeah. The Japan, yes. This, yes. Is a Jap- this is our Japanese chili. This is our cooking chili. This, we've got two mm. Japanese chilies coming on this year. And they're not. Yeah. They're all from but here. They, but they were developed in Japan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yes. they were bred in Japan. So I've just been writing about... Um, Oh God! No, I'm doing I'm doing the mental blank <laughs> <laughs> thing oh, about zucchinis, um, yeah. um, which are known which are known as zucchinis in some places and, and courgettes, courgettes in, in other yeah. in other places. Yeah. Um, so they came originally from Central and South America, but the actual zucchini got developed in France and Italy. Yes. So that the that fruit that is known as zucchini was mm. developed over 300 years over there. Yeah. So that's exactly the same situation. Yeah, because I'm yeah. Running, a, running a restaurant in England and having to learn about courgettes and all yes. the jeans. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, in, in Canada, if you're in French-speaking Canada, you're talking about courgettes. If you're in English-speaking mm. Canada, you're talking about zucchini. Zucchinis. So that's even But in England, confusing. you call them courgettes. Yes, you do, and in France. And in Europe, America, you call them squashes. Mm, summer squashes. Yeah, yeah, so yes. it gets confusing. Yeah. But the eggplant one, it's actually... Eggplant is what we call eggplant is not actually eggplant. The eggplant is the little white one that looks yeah, like an looks egg. Looks like an egg, yeah. Mm. All the rest are actually aubergines. Yeah. But we just call them all eggplants. All eggplants. Yeah. So, but the whole thing is fascinating. But this level of new, amazing new plants, like one of the tomatoes we had, rice, rice a tomato. Yeah. A new released plant, new released tomato that's been grown in South America for 500, 500 years. <laughs> So not really a new release. It seems no. Like, yeah, it's, it's old. And quinoa. Yeah. And the salvia. It's chia, here. chia. Yeah. They're all coming out of this world which are just so unique and different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sis- it's great that the wild plants are still growing yeah. there so that we can go back and do breeding using the original wild plants. And that's what we're collecting, seed of species. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the wild is chilia capsicum microcarpum. And we actually had some capsicum galapagoense. Yeah. Didn't germinate. Yeah. Um, but we're, I'm trying to get, I'll try again and to get that there's in. And there's some tomato. Yeah. Gal- no, the Galapagoense, so, the original Galapagoense. yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it's a fantastic wor- stage of the world to be in. Mm. The only problem is every day the government's putting more and more restrictions on plants coming in. Yeah. Yes. But they have to. Yes and no. I'm, I'm, we're in a constant dispute with them. They have to put the restrictions in, but what they've got to stop doing is making my life hard because all that means is the people I do the quarantining for say, sorry, Clive, we'll just order it in. Right, and, and not take it through. And the people overseas are now will it offering, without even asking, to send them here with wrong names on the boxes. Okay. Because they make it hard for us to do it legally. Mm. Now, if they made it easy for me to do it legally, I'll jump through all the hoops. Just allow me to. 
like, um, yeah, we bought some seed in, Nepotella. I've been trying to get Nepotella seed, which yep. is an Italian herb in the Oregano group. I finally found someone in America who could sell me Nepotella. He posted the seed, but he put Mentuccia Romano, mm. which is the local Italian name that they use in that part of America for this plant. They picked it up at quarantine. They said, you can't have the seed because it doesn't have the correct Latin name on it. And I said, but he's, put, he's sent you a declaration declaring that that's his mistake. This is the correct plant. I said, no, we can't accept it. It's too, too great a risk. Mm. And it's like, if I want to smuggle seed in a can, so why would I do that? Can I just... Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a really tricky conversation because a friend of mine has just gone to prison for two months for I, importing. Yes, I read about it. Um, and that's a really complicated story yeah. as well. So yeah. you have to be really, really careful about what you're bringing in. And if you don't agree with the with the customs and the ag people, you need to have discussions we, with we're them. We're doing. You, yeah. you do not bring in anything sneakily. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because what, what? that's where she. Got, got into trouble. But what they um, should do is make it easy for me yep. to do it so they come they to should, me. They should make it easier for everybody who wants, wants to, to do, do it legally. legally. Um, but if they don't, don't try and break the oh, law. No, it is no, no, it is not worth the, what happens to you because or us, you don't get fined, it's, you go to prison. Yeah, it, it's wrong. So I just, but this is what I'm trying to say. This is why they have to make it easy for the professionals to do it. Yeah. So if you're a home gardener and you want to bring something in, you come and see me. And, I'll, and I, get, I get regularly, probably mm. monthly inquiries from people because millennials love the new indoor plants mm. and it's amazing indoor plants in Asia. They come to me, we go through the hoops, we get the permits, we do the treatments, we bring them in. Yep. And if they make it so that we can do that, yep. then everybody wins. Yep. But it's just, it's just like yep. as most no, governments uh, look, are the blank I, wall I there. agree, but I just think yeah. people need, who are listening to us need to Don't. understand what the repercussions are if and you get caught. It's not just get caught, it's... If you bring a disease oh, in, exactly, yeah, that fire ant, yep, myrt- myrtle rust, oh, yep. yeah, um, and the vi- the viroids that affect the whole Solanaceae family. Yeah. You should never bring seed from eggplants, capsicums, tomatoes, yep. potatoes back into Australia no. because you could destroy a whole industry, industry. by doing that. Yeah. So, and that's uh, why they've just, just got to not do don't it. Do it. Don't do it. And yeah, um, yeah, we had a staff member working for us, and she bought some plants and that she'd smuggled in, and my wife doing really yep. sat on the spot. Yep. Uh, we don't want to know about it. Get rid of it. We don't want them. That's wrong, yep. wrong, wrong, wrong. Yep. Yeah. If you import them legally, everything's fine. Yep. Yeah. And well, that's what yeah. Margot did in Tassie. She, mm. she, for the tomato seeds that she brought from New Zealand, mm. um, they had to be have a phytosanitary what? certificate in the first place. When they got here, cust- the uh, ag department yeah. actually grew them. All right. Twenty percent of them, and then tested them as the you know mm. small seedlings. Um, and once they determined they weren't carrying any yeah. of the viroids, um, they released the yeah. rest of the seed, the other oh, 80% excellent. of the seed. That's, but that's it, a change of policy then. But that that's costs good. money. Yeah. Yeah. The and other option is you get them virus indexed at the departure point, yeah. and that costs a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. So that's why we tend to go to the big seed companies, yeah. because to them to get a kilogram virus tested is cost effective. Yeah. That, but yes. yeah, if you want to bring in 10 seeds, it's, it's like the hops plant. Yes. You know, it's... That two thousand dollars makes it expensive for the backyard grower. Mm. I can only do it if I if I've got a, someone to then go and buy five thousand mm. off me. Yeah. Then I can justify the expense. Yes. Yeah. And mm. and the whole thing is exacerbated by climate change because we're getting so many more 
potentially um, the climate is changing, so the diseases that are in Asia are mm. going to become more applicable to, to us, and if they get yeah. carried in, they will spread much further on, on our continent because yeah. the climate Although is Although Australia's warm. got such a wide climate anyway, it's always been an issue because... Yeah, I know, but well, it's, it's worse. Yeah, we bought a plant in 20 years ago, beautiful little plant. I bought it in, finally got it through quarantine, got it through all the things. I started growing it, then I started doing some research on it and had a potential if it escaped in the tropics to become a very invasive weed. Right. So we destroyed it. Yeah. Because down here, never be a problem. Yeah. Couldn't tolerate anything below about two degrees. But if someone up there got it and it got out, mm. yeah. And yeah. so that's why we need to help the professionals do it because yeah. we'll at least make, most of us will make valid de- decisions. Yeah. Because we don't, we don't want, I don't be, want to be the one that brought in um, prickly pear or yeah. the, some of those nasty Cane grasses. Totes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All of that. So, yeah, it's, it's important. And um, yeah. they found what happened in New Zealand was a, a nasty disease got there because the New Zealand government said no perennial imports at all. Just yeah. banned them. Six months later, smuggled in, disease got out, and there's a major disaster over there. Yeah, mm. so, yeah. so you've got to find that middle ground. Yeah. But, yeah. but please, listeners, do not. Because the email buy. will sell them to you. Do not. It's not email. The eBay, eBay, eBay. Do not buy. Do not import them. Yes. Yeah, no. anything. Yep. And it's very easy. There's a website called Bicon. B-I-C-O-N. You can go on there. It'll find all the conditions. And some seed you can come in. And as long as it's it's commercially packed, commercially labelled, you can bring it in. And it'll tell you exactly what to do. And you can do that. And that's a good place to start. It's a complicated website, but you can actually... Yeah, you can put in plant name. Yeah, you put in common name, all that. And it'll tell you whether... B-I-C-O-N. Yeah. And it'll tell you whether you can bring it in or not bring it in, whether it needs particular treatment. And it, let's say you want to bring in something that needs quarantining. It'll then get, my name will be listed there. Mm. And before they give you a permit, they ring me to say, has this person contacted you? Yes, they've booked space. Yes, okay, they'll issue a permit and you can bring it yeah, in. Yeah, but there are other people who do it too. So not many that do yeah. it commercially. There's okay. not many that actually do it because the cost of running the tunnel, yeah. is, it's about 5000 a year just to register mm. it. Mm. So mm. a lot of those smaller ones are now dropping out. Yeah. Okay. Who used to do it? Yeah. And there'd probably be four or five around the country that will do okay. quarantining for other people. Yep. Yep. The big companies like Ball have their own, but they'll only yep. do their own stuff. Yes, yeah. of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's um that's part of my fun is tracking down these weird and wonderful seeds and finding yeah. them. And yeah. there's actually some really weird seed gr- seed people in Australia. Yeah. That have yeah, there are who have a, a wonderful array of yeah of plants and like your friend that you don't have to bring them in they've they've spent the money to bring them in to start with Mm. then they do their breeding and selection Mm. from there Mm. and and it's it's great fun there's um the hippie seed company the lost seed company herbalistics they've all got great stuff there are some good we've got a new succulent coming in called bunny's ears okay every every it has a little stem like that and the ears look just like two little bunny ears okay and I found that on, on a little weird succulent seed growing in Victoria, Queensland, I think it was. Yeah, right, okay. So, yeah, there's some amazing stuff out there, like your little plant there. That, yes. That, do we want to talk about yes, that? Or do you want to, to go to some listeners? Oh, I'm just going to give out the phone number again. If people uh, do want to join us this morning, we are running through until 9.15. We've got Penny Woodward and Clive Larkman in the studio this morning. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. That number again, 94190155. Okay, Penny, what have you got there? So this is, again, up on Facebook, but this is geranium matterance. It's the strangest geranium of all the geraniums. You almost wouldn't think it's a geranium. No, you wouldn't, <laughs> except if you looked at the flower. But it grows, it's an annual. It right. grows as a clump with these amazing, huge palm-shaped leaves that have red stems and 
you know, big glossy green leaves. And it, the clump gets to about this sort of height. Yeah. A metre okay. and a half, a metre to two metres in yeah, a dome. Big yeah. dome shape. Really fills out a corner really of the garden. Oh, fills out yeah. a corner yes. of the garden. And then, um, uh, usually in, in early spring, on the top is this complete layer of these bright pink flowers. Good so heavens. it's like icing over the, yeah. or except tall icing. But mm. it's hard to explain that just the vibrancy and the, these are, these are just right right across the top. And there's a so mass got, of them. It's not just the a leaves. few. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It just wow. looks incredible in flower. Um, and, and then the whole plant dies. And then next year they'll come up again mm. because they self-sow. And you get them coming up in oh, all these perfect. odd corners. And they're really easy to pull out. Yeah, so it's, come it's up not an invasive problem. It's no. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I've actually got them growing. Um, I put the first one in a bed near where we park the cars. So I don't mind them coming up in odd corners yeah. where other things aren't growing. Yep. And I get so much joy from them. Yeah. You know, it's one of mm. those plants that make you realise that spring is here, that um, that life's worth living, that's... You know, it's yeah, just, no. uh, you know, they're lovely. So, it's, so that's... Um, so although it's an annual, you've got it. I've, you've year got after it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So once you plant it, um, and make sure you've got, as I said, a bit of space, but mm. it is it is just gorgeous. Like so. It's great in a, in a, a bed with hellebores or things, because the hellebores yeah. just finished flowering. Then this will grow up amongst the middle of them. Yeah. Shade the hellebores over summer and put a big burst of green in colour. We've got a white one outside our office. Yeah. Okay. And it, yeah. it sells seeds, but... We barely get one every year coming up. Okay, but, so but, but enough to keep it going. Yeah, yep. and Madarance means it's from the island of Madeira. Ma- yes, which is amazing. So it does mean they're a bit frost tender. So if you're in yeah. a very frosty garden, you might want to. You but might need to struggle a little bit. If they struggle a bit in the early. You know, yep. if, it, if it's a but bit they cold. also do well in, under trees. Yeah, so you can. That's true. Under, under okay. a deciduous tree, the new foliage comes out, which will tend to protect yep. their frost. Because okay. as an annual, it doesn't start to come up till late winter. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true, and it grows really rapidly yeah. once oh, it comes up. Crazy. Yeah. And, and it, lo- it loves coastal. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Ah. that's why yeah. it does so well at yeah. my place. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, they're just part of an amazing set of plants from the Canary Islands. Mm. It's just mm. a, a tiny little set of islands mm. in the middle of a huge ocean. Yep. There's incredible they diversity. They have a, a diversity. Yep. The lavender that comes out, the Canary Insist lavender, and the other, yep. other ones from around that yep. part. Just so they're, different. Yes, they are. Yeah, you know, yeah it's, um, they're great. So I presume that one is also fairly drought tolerant, is it? Yes. Um, yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, mm. I just let them go once they've sort of mm. finished flowering. They just sit there, yeah, and, and, and I never water them. No. Yep. So, but they and then they eventually die off and drop the seed. And, and I've never actually noticed when they die off. No, I was just thinking that myself. <laughs> I was trying to remember what happens to them. And then suddenly they're not there My anymore. My gut feeling is they probably they probably die off around Christmas. Yeah, yeah or, so soon, off, or soon yeah, after. Yeah, okay. mid summer because it, if you look at where a plant comes from, you can work out what it's going to do. Yeah, and yeah, a yep. plant like that would get virtually no water from midsummer onwards. Yeah, so it's going to naturally die down yep. and then come back again when the w- winter when, rains come. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so sometimes if you're struggling to grow a plant in a home garden, step back a little bit. Yeah. Think about where the plant comes from, mm. and work out how it would behave to best survive. Indeed. Yep. yep. Excellent. Okay. Just waiting for that uh, that listener to get up. There we go. We're going to um, John, who's out in Hampton. Good morning, John. Ah, good morning. Um, my, uh, great program. Thank um, you. My question is, relates to a fig tree. We've got a very large fig tree, pretty old, but the last couple of years it's sort of produced a, a premature crop. We've got one now 
But yep. um, but the figs are sort of um, not really that good. They're just sort of a bit dry and... Um, 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 John, sorry, well, can I interrupt? Why This is a classic. There are some figs that this is what they do. It's called a brevo oh, crop. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and they actually form on the on the um, stems as the leaves fall off yep. in autumn yep. um, and they yep. sit there and do nothing. You give them a little bit longer and they'll develop into proper figs and you'll yep. be able to harvest them. And then you'll that's, get your second crop um, in autumn, we the normal crop. crop yeah. yeah. Yeah, Which so was fine, but I thought that maybe it had something to do... This has only happened for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, look, um, it I, may be to do with our changing climate and the climate, fact that, yep. you know, things have got a bit warmer or wetter at it, the right time. Yeah, or, yeah, it's, yeah. Hard, it's hard to know. But, look, it's a, there are some figs that have this Brebo crop and there are some that don't. So yours don't, might yeah. not have done it for, a few, for quite a few years, years. Yeah, because anyway. of climate, and, and now it is doing what it would naturally do anyway. That's right, yeah. Well, most of the um, figs are eaten by the... By the birds. <laughs> birds yes. and yeah. bats and, and possums, every, possums yes. everything. Yeah. We just get the sort of stuff at the lower level. Okay. <laughs> well, you could try bagging, you know, just putting bags over some of these. Oh, so that you get too, no? it's very awkward. Or too I, hard. We don't, <laughs> there's such an abundant crop generally okay. that there's enough to give to our friends. Yeah. Everyone's sick to death of figs. Okay. Oh, you, can, you can send some to me. <laughs> yes, me too. I love figs. Yeah, that's like mangoes in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's good if you like... Um, there are a lot of things you can make with the figs, of course. We've got a friend that makes beautiful fig jam and she preserves yeah. them, and they, they are very nice. Have you tried yeah. drying them? Because they're fabulous. No, dry. we haven't tried them. Yeah, well, we maybe you should try work. drying because you can actually sun dry them. You cut, just cut them in half and put them out on mesh in a yeah, sunny position, and, and they dry quite well um, over a few okay. days. That's where the tomato red fig came from because dried figs were only the purvey oh, right, of the okay. rich. Yeah, and they yeah. found that this tomato dried and gave the same flavour and texture as a dried fig. Right, I don't okay. believe it gave the same flavour. Well, they said it did. Sorry, but <laughs> I don't like figs, so I don't know. I love figs, <laughs> and I've grown red fig yeah. tomato, and it doesn't have the same flavour as figs. But no, I, no, when you drop, when you drop preserved, yeah, yeah, but even yeah. preserved, yeah. I understand the story. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice story. Well, the other thing, John, is that um, when I when I was in um, Provence last year. Oh um, yes, yeah. We we were um, invited for um, a lunch in a in a private garden, and the owners there used to um, pick their their ripe figs, place them uh, in a single layer, uh, okay. just on some paper on a tray, and freeze them. Oh, and okay. then uh, and and they actually brought some out and thawed them for us to have after lunch, and it seemed they they just. Were stunning. No, it no, no, out the no change or anything. In the no moment. change. They, oh. they, they, you still ate them as the whole fig, but it's brought yeah. out the sugars in the fruit, and yes. they, they oh, were yeah. like a, a, a. You'd think they'd been just um, fresh picked. Well, dipped in honey <laughs> almost. <laughs> they were stunningly good. Yeah, but just, well, just picked fresh and and, yeah. and frozen whole. Mm. Well, they, 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 that sounds really good. But I have to say that occasionally I wander up there when they're absolutely ripe and perfect yep. and pick one off and eat it under the tree. Oh, yes, you oh, have yeah. to. No, no, <laughs> but the problem is they... No. I mean, in the, it's experience. Yeah, but they don't keep for long. No, yeah. they don't so you do long, need to but, do... Um, but when you spread them out on the tray, you will I'll freeze them and then put them in a container. So you don't need to leave them yeah. on the tray, no. I presume. Yeah. So yeah. you can store them more compactly yeah. in, yeah. in the freezer. Anyway, I'll, um, I might give that a bit of a whirl, but to say most of it will still go 
be recycled in the the, the world of nature. Okay. okay. Well, that's okay. a good thing too. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Okay, and uh, next up we're going to Anne in Northcote. Good morning, Anne. Hi, good morning, everyone. Yes, go ahead. It's a bit maybe a dumb question, but I've wondered for a few years now, um, when a locust's planted, locust tree, you know what I mean, um, I noticed that they've got an, uh, every second year they'll um, flower and then every second year they'll fruit. Am yep. I right in that? Um, yeah, I love the love the smell, love the flower, and then the next year they just seem to go straight to fruit. Yeah. Now, when uh, they're you're... all planted at different times in their lives, how do they catch up with the cycle? Like, they all seem to do it on the same year. Like, how does that work? Uh, well, every locust tree has to flower for it to produce fruit. Mm. So that that is just a, a botanical uh, um, Basic, fact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you may not may not observe the flowers, but they definitely have flowers. But they and do. The fruit does go on a two-year two cycle. Two-year cycle, it, like olives. Yeah, olives and, do the same and thing. And apples are the same. We yeah. get a much bigger harvest one year than the other year. Yeah. So your question about how do they all know, that's the wonders of nature, how they know, but the plants will get into their own sink. And it makes logical sense because it's no good if you want a fruit out of season because you won't be have the pollinators that you need from the other plants. So mm. the plants will get mm. into sink somehow. Um, Magically, is it? Well, Magic. it's often climate related a bit too. So, um, you know, you may get better crops one year when yeah. it's the better climate yeah. for the. Um, one of the worrying things about locusts is that they are really prolific producers and they're big trees. Mm. And with fruit fly coming into Victoria, Victoria. it will worry. be one of the harbours, harbourers mm. of, of fruit fly. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be one of the problems. It will be trees. a problem along with yeah. the citrus that people don't harvest. Yeah, yeah. all of um, those. Unfortunately. But they're beautiful trees and they're great fruit. Yes, and, um, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, mm. so. Uh, Thank you. Okay. No worries. Thank you. Sorry, I couldn't. I can't read the screen with with or without my glasses okay. from this position. I thought it said fruit. Okay, so bye, Anne. Bye. Um, yes, Penny, a listener wanted you to repeat Pe- the name yeah, of the so geranium. It's geranium madarense. So M A D E R E N S E. Yes. Excellent. Yep. Okay. And um, people like country farm perennials, yep. guys like for plants, um, antique perennials. They're the sort of people who have this. Your Bunnings stores and your large gardens yep. are unlikely to have it because it is an annual. It's hard to grow in a pot because mm, it grows it gets so, so quickly. Big so quickly. Yes. And it's an annual, so it's hard to sell in a pot. Yeah. So you will have to go looking for it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Do you know if there's going to be any up at the fair, Clive? I don't know. Some country farm perennials may have them. Might have, mm. yeah. yes. Um, it's probably a little late in the season. It yeah. probably is because if they yours be is too flowering. Big. Yeah, um, yeah. Too. They may have yeah. seed of it. Yeah, that's so the other one is look for seed because yeah, being an annual, it yeah, does grow really easily from seed. seed. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get on some of the websites of the good seeds, seed yeah. suppliers, um, yeah. you, I think you'd find the seed there. Yeah, there's an heirloom seed company. She may have them up there. And country farm perennials can get seed too. Yeah. associated with the seedscape. So both of those might work. Yep. Okay. So um, getting back to the fair, Clive, um, you've mentioned that, um, that some of the top growers are actually going to be giving talks. Um, you've got such a wide range. I presume the, the, there's going to be a wide range of talks as well there on some of these in, plants. In two ways. About five of the speakers are going to actually speak on the seesaw stage and they'll do talks. Um, Paul from Garden Nation is going to be talking on mulching and, and mulching for your garden. 
James Lucas will be talking on succulents. Um, the lady from up north and the irises, Riversdale Iris, from up Wagga Way will be talking on irises. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Jane Ebbotson's going to be walking around with a little portable microphone <coughs> going to the stall holders and having little mini talks in front of each stall. Partly because it gives, gives more chance for more speakers, but a lot of our plant people don't like getting on the stage or don't like mm, speaking. Fair enough. Mm. But if you walk up with a microphone and they're standing amongst their plants, they're quite happy to talk about their about plants. It. About Especially yes. since it's very subtle. The microphone's tiny and the speaker's tiny, but it, it relaxes more people out there. Yep. So we really want to try and get this idea of uh, exchange of knowledge and passion and mm. interest. I think that's a great idea because I, uh, I know a lot of people who go to, to these sorts of plant fairs they will approach a storeholder, but they're too scared to ask because they're worried they're going to show their ignorance. And so they don't ask about what's there. They'll just have a look oh, at what's no, on display. You've got you don't to think ask. You've, you've got, got to, to ask, ask the question. But, but you, I think some of them also feel a bit guilty if they ask questions and then don't buy something. So there's that feeling, you know, if I go there and start asking questions, I'm going to be committed to buying there, something. And there's a balance on that. You yeah. don't have to buy something. No. But don't take this, the person's time for an hour and then not oh, buy yes. something. Yeah. But if you've got a quick question, they're all collectors and they're passionate people and they're, yep. they're there because they like to talk about their plans. Now, maybe at you know, 10.30 in the morning when they've got a queue of 60 people, it's probably not a good time to come and talk. <laughs> but later yeah. in the afternoon when it quiets down, they'll all love to chat because they're all interested. Mm. The only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Yeah. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. So on, I was at the um, Sustainability Festival in Paran, the Victorian Gardens, mm. last weekend. Talking, I did a talk on the main stage on tomatoes, but mm. then back on my stand where I was selling books, I did a talk on garlic, and it yeah. worked really well. And they went round to a whole lot of different stands. So Jessamy mm. Miller was there, mm. the oh, yes. ch- wonderful chook lady, mm. um, and she talked about she talked about chooks and other the compost worm mm. um, composting guy with um, worm lovers. Oh, uh, he was doing the same yeah. thing, and it was really effective. So and there's a chance to answer questions because yep. you're not so embarrassed about asking a question if there's only 10 people there yes. as against in the stage yes. with yep. 50 people. Yes. Yep. Oh, we've got a, a woman called the Chicken Vault. Okay. I saw her down at Lardner Park, and she specialises little galvanised chicken coops. Right. And you can, like, like these cat runs, and you can extend the runs out for okay. longer. But people who want to have chooks in their home backyard and are worried about foxes. Yes. Yeah, and, but also don't want them digging up all their plants so that they can make these yeah. sort of long runs over the grass yeah. or over a garden yeah. bit, actually. From and, and she's yeah. got one for three chickens, ten chickens, yeah. 30 and 60. So it's a great idea. that She's yeah. only been going less than a year, this business. Okay, um, yeah. sounds good. Yeah. yeah. But I wish I could have chickens, but we've just got too many foxes. Yes, so have okay. I. And Way too many foxes. Yeah. I've got yeah, a family well, that lives at the bottom of our garden virtually. I love mm. the beautiful animals, foxes. Mm. And they're so... Well, the way they, ra- they raise their young and they make their, their mm. nests, um, just a shame they do so much damage to... And the fact that they're introduced and they kill so many birds yeah. and all that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's the way the world's sort of going, unfortunately. There's so many introduced plants and, they, mm. and animals, and they move around the world. Mm. Um, mm. It, it's, a, it's an issue. And we just hope that the, the native plants and animals can adapt and evolve. Yeah, it's a bit hard when you have no defences and you've got feral cats oh, and yeah. foxes yeah. that um, kill you be- and yeah. you... You can't do much yeah. of it. And you go extinct. We wish we were allowed to have p- possums as pets. Because mm. then if they escape, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had, a, I had a pet possum for about a year. Okay. I used to work for the RSPCA collecting yeah. injured animals, and I had a little baby possum. He went to uni with me every day, tucked up on my sh- jumper. Really? I got, yeah. I, I got it when it was about that big. as a, right. a mum that was a roadkill. Yeah, okay. Until it. So it got to about sort of this big, and then we just 
let it go. Was it, it a, a brushy or a ringtail? Oh, no, brushies don't. A ringtail. Yeah. Br- brushies don't do that. No, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It would have been a bit big. Oh, but they're also not so easy to... They don't domesticate so well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, the ringtails. Though. My neighbour, one up from us, actually... Um, feeds a, a brush a brushy and yeah. and its family in her tree but she has to climb the tree to put the put the food up there because they don't domesticate really no. well um but she she bred it, um looked after it from yeah. a baby and now feeds it in this tree yeah. and because she keeps them fed they don't come and eat all my food well, that's about the only way you can look after the possums yeah but we have brush tails on the roof of our office and it's only a narrow roof space mm. and when it gets hot they chew through the plaster so they can hang their bottoms down and cool them off. Oh. And we've got holes through the roofs of the oh. office. <laughs> and they, at night, they just run backwards and forwards, yes. squealing, and it's like... Yes. <clears throat> okay. Whereas the lovely ringtails live out in the, in the, in the community tree, yeah. and they make little nests in the trees, and they're, they're mm. much, much nicer. I love the, the ringtails. Yeah. I yes. think they're gorgeous. They yeah. really do, yeah. And they're, they're really interesting animal possums. And, mm. and actually, mm. the, the, the original name for possum was opossum. Yes, yeah. well, Bank, that's what they're called in the US. Yeah, well, Banks dropped the O off it when he wrote it in his, his ledgers. Mm. That's why they became possums. Okay. And the only one in America is the Virginia opossum, which is the only carnivorous possum. Okay. And it's closely related to about five species in South America, which are then related to the Australian ones. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. We've just about run out of time. Clive, I think it's really important that you tell listeners again the address, the phone number, all the details they need to know so that next week, bright and early, early, they can yeah. all come up and visit you. It's 125 Quail, Q-U-A-Y-L-E Road, Wandon. And it's 10 to, 4, 10 to 5 Saturday and Sunday. And you can buy tickets online at yarravalleyplantfair.com.au where they're discounted $10 for concession, $12 for adult and free for children. Or you can come buy them at the gate as well. It's, it's 12 and $15. Mm. So it'll be there. Lots of stall holders. Great time to talk to people. Saturday and Sunday are the same. So you don't, if you can't get there on Saturday, don't stress, come up on Sunday. Um, and there'll be lots of very interesting and amazing plants from growers and collectors and... It'll, it's a fun time, and the weather's going to be great. Of course it is, and plenty of parking, loads plenty of, of parking. parking. Yep, 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 and it's easy to get up and down there, good food. Come It'll be well signposted. It's well signposted. Um, yes, we've got hundreds of signs up. I'm we'll putting more up this week. And Yeah, come and enjoy the day and, and allocate some time to just sit and enjoy the Yarra Valley. Yes, and don't, don't, don't allocate an hour. No, no, you're three just, or four you're hours. You're just going to be really hour. frustrated. What we're saying, a really good day is you come out to us, Come out in the morning, have a quick lunch and a glass of wine, hop in the car, drive to Allowan Gardens in Yarra Glen, beautiful gardens, finish there, nick up the chocolate factory, buy yourself some chocolate and go home. <laughs> what what, what like a beautiful day. Oh, an amazing day. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And Penny, just quickly give out again those talks you're giving. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm talking, oh, I haven't got them in front of me. <laughs> at Montrose Town Centre. I am. Um, I'll, I will find them. So I'll talk about okay. something else just for a second and I'll look them up. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Okay. We live busy worlds, busy lives. Well, absolutely. But where would we be if we didn't? Oh. I mean, it keeps us out of mischief. Sometimes quite. I'd love not to be busy, but then I think I couldn't really be a couch potato. No. I'd go mad. No, uh, exactly. Yeah, yes. Um, and I love the way you, you just don't ever lose that, 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 enthusiasm for new plants because every year you're bringing out some amazing new yeah. plants. And it's not new, it's the just it's existing new introductions or different or rare or just exactly. yeah. interesting. Exactly. So 23rd, which is the Wednesday at 7pm, I'm Yarra Rangers Montrose Town Centre, 935 Mount Dandenong Road. Um, and on the 26th at 10am 
um, this is room for Knox Civic Centre, 511 Burwood Highway, One Turner South. Um, and I'm talking about tomatoes on both of them. So come along and find out more about heirloom tomatoes and how to grow them. Fantastic. Well, as I said, we've run out of time for yet another week. All the best for next yes. week, Clive. Um, I'm sure it'll be a rip-roaring success. Yeah. A big thank you to everyone, and uh, we will be back again 7.30 next weekend. So until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.